Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast, providing news and insights to the Milwaukee business community. Let's listen in as our podcast partner, Beth Ridley with The Brimful Life, interviews leaders from within the business community. Welcome to The Brimful Life podcast, where we highlight leaders who are achieving great results by putting people and culture first. I'm your host, Beth Ridley, CEO of The Brimful Life consulting firm that helps companies bring out the best in leaders, teams, and workplace cultures. This episode is the last in a four-part series on the topic of diversity and inclusion, where I speak with experts and leaders on how to build a culture of diversity and inclusion at work. Be sure to listen to all four episodes, as well as visit my website at thebrimfullife.com to download my free DNI Kickstart Kit for leaders to help you successfully implement what you learn, even with limited resources. Today, I'm speaking with Devona Wright-Cottrell, Director and Associate General Counsel at Baird. Devona shares best practices on how to engage employees with DNI in a strategic way to drive business outcomes and employee engagement. Devona was co-founder of the African American Employee Resource Group at Baird and chaired it for six years. Now she serves as an advisor to the group. So she has all of your employee resource group questions covered from an associate to a leadership level. Let's meet Devona. Thank you very much for speaking with me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Let's start first by just understanding diversity and inclusion at Baird. Why has Baird, um, why is Baird investing in diversity and inclusion? Why is it important to the organization? Sure. I think it goes back originally to our mission and vision for our company in terms of Baird. You know, our mission is to be the best financial services firm to our clients and the best place to work for our associates. And we understand that diversity and inclusion is very much a part of that, that, um, that vision and the goals that align with that vision. Um, and so in order to make that happen, we have a DNI mission, which says, it enables Bear to more effectively serve as increasingly, our client base is increasingly diverse, and it helps us to attract and engage our workforce, which ties into being a best financial services firm and the best place to work for our associates. All right, awesome. So you talked a little bit about the why and how investing in diversity and inclusion aligns with the business strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a sense of like what success looks like in the DNI space for Baird? How do you all know if you're trending in the right direction and really bringing that vision statement alive? Sure, I would say it's more it's it's a look and a feel, right? I mean, there's metrics, of course, that we have involved, but one thing that we've evolved um, in since 2012 was an associate promise that was developed for our associates and. The gist of the associate promise is to make sure that every person at Baird is valued and respected for what they bring to the table and that they can bring their authentic selves to the table. And so once you have that, you naturally have a workforce that's more engaged. They're more tied to the vision. um, They're going to work harder. I think something that's unique about Baird is that we're employee owned and privately held. And so all those those things mixed together 
um, I think help people to be really vested and valued and tied to the organization. And so you see it in the work product and how hard people work for us, how engaged they are. I think um, even during these times that are very stressful with, you know, COVID-19 and work from home, you still see associates like really, really vested, still responding, still giving their best. Um, and then I will also say from a DNI perspective, we understand that it's not, it's a, it's something that we're trying to embed in the organization. Not to say that we have arrived. We haven't. It is a journey for us, just like it's a journey for others. Um, but we're continuing to work at it. So for example, you know, we haven't had to furlough employees, um, you know, today. I, I can't speak for what's going to happen in the future, but I know our leaders are very much invested in not having to do that. But when you, the communication that we're getting, it's still communication that DNI is still very much important to the mix of who we are. Um, our client base is getting more diverse. Our client base is younger. And so we want to make sure that we represent um, our community and the clients that we serve. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I answered your question, but I hope yeah, I you, you, did. you did. And I love what you said about, um, well, first of all, the associate promise. I mean, that feels so, um, you, you know, I mean, you don't make a promise if you don't intend to keep it right. So even that word it, promise, I think really mm -hmm. a lot, but you also talked about, it's really a journey to embed diversity and inclusion in the organization. So it's almost like, you know, you don't um, need initiatives necessarily. It's more of a mindset. Um, and so it sort of gets integrated in everything that you do. It's almost like a way of being. Absolutely. So I won't say that we don't have initiatives because we definitely do. But the goal um, and the associate promise was developed knowing that it was aspirational in nature. And this is what we want to look like in the future. The goal is, yes, not to have to have an, initi an initiative. Maybe we'll still have associate resource groups because they're very tied into the business goals of our organization. But you don't need a program to get people to think the right way. And so it's betting in all of our recruitment practices, our engagement practices, everything DNI is at the forefront. It's at the forefront and meant to be at the forefront for all of our business units. So how do they hire? Who, what talent do they look for? Are they casting a wide enough net? How are they engaging their current associates, you know, in terms of their leadership journey and their development in the spectrum of that business unit? And do they know, you know, what it takes to the advance to the next level or are they happy in their current role um, and, and what can you think about that person? Because you are engaged as a manager, they're engaged as, a, as an associate. Um, so when do you know if something's not right for that person? And then you need to make a switch and help them to be more engaged in a different role or something more that they're interested in. And so that's why I say it's not, it's more of a holistic leadership journey um, versus a program um, is the goal. And when you uh, drive you and I with that mindset, um, like you mentioned, even during the pandemic, DNI is still front and center. It's not like, oh, funding for this now goes away. It is really more of um, the way you operate on a day-to-day -day basis down to each individual. And I also love how your vision for success around this truly is aspirational. I think a lot of people or maybe companies are timid to set a bold vision, bold metrics, bold goals, because what if they don't reach it? But it seems like mm -hmm. you guys are really saying, this is what we're aspiring to. And we recognize 
that this is a journey, but we're going to stay committed to it. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So um, let's dive into the employee engagement piece of this. So one means of engaging employees uh, in in diversity inclusion is through employee resource groups. So um, I think a lot of um, times we throw that term out, but Mm -hmm. um, how do you define an employee resource group versus an affinity group or a club? Are they different? Um, I believe very much that they are different. Um, employee resource groups, I think, are very tied to um, the the vision goals and business goals of the organization. So I, employee resource groups, for me, are designed to help there to be the best um, financial services company um, for our clients and the best place to work for our associates. And that's done in lockstep with the goals of the organization. So I'll give you, you know, a for example and how that's embedded. So Spectrum, which is our LGBTQ um, associate resource group was very instrumental in helping Bear to attain uh, 100% for the corporate equality index. Um, you know, we knew what our score was. They knew what our score was was the leaders of that ARG knew what it take to increase that score. And so they, the, the leaders of the ARGs were the one who approached HR to say, this is our score and this is what we need to get a better score. And this is how our ARG can help make this happen. And so now Beard has a hundred, which is one of the metrics that, you know, Fortune looks at for the best place to work um, recognition that we get and that we've had over the last several years. So that's one of the things where I say it's very much tied into business. Um, all of our associate resource groups. So it's PRISM is one, which was formerly the African-American associate resource group that I co-chaired. And the reason why it's PRISM is because we didn't want to leave anyone out. Initially, it was the African-American associate resource group because that was the critical math of ethnically diverse associates at the time. But we realized the name was more exclusive than it was inclusive. And once we changed the name, which was in 2010, our membership doubled just by virtue of what you're calling something. And so it's very much, you know, multicultural associate resource group. I mentioned Spectrum. We have Bear Gives Back, which is focused on, you know, Bear's community involvement, really tied into how we are seen in the community and what we're involved in, how that helps businesses. Um, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I just want to underscore a couple of things you said that are really important and then like a, a lot of questions. So one of the main differentiators of an employee resource group or an associate resource group for Baird is alignment with business goals. So it is more than just socializing, right? Absolutely. There is really like, you know, you are helping to drive and further the business outcomes for the organization. Yes. And then you also were very intentional about changing the names of these groups. So from African-American resource group to Prism, because I like to say you don't have to be to belong. And um, yes. it seemed like you guys were very intentional about you want to cast a wider net and get some of those allies um, to, to, why is that important? Um, and, and also, did you struggle with, or was it ever up for debate of, forming a group that is specifically, let's just say African-Americans uh, as an example, uh, because they are fewer in population, because they have unique um, maybe needs that uh, aren't met uh, with part of the larger organization, was there a debate between making it exclusive 
to support African-Americans versus making it broader to welcome others in? Um, I don't think there ever was a debate. I think the reason why it initially was termed African-American Resource Group was because that was what we had the critical mass of associates. So at that time, there probably was anywhere from 80 to 100 associates um, of African, African or African-American descent um, versus, you know, the number of Hispanic associates or Hmong associates or Asian associates. Those numbers were smaller. And so that's why it was termed that. And so we learned early in the journey that, look, you know, there aren't other associates attending our meetings. There are not other associates taking advantage of the offerings that we have. What can we do to make this more inclusive? And the leadership of PRISM came together and had a discussion and came up with the name, you know, PRISM and um, and saw it as, you know, like light and, and welcoming in all versus this exclusive, you know, the terminology being exclusive that would impede participation or involvement. We can't do this alone, right? Um, we need others at the table to help us on this journey. And we need to create an environment that is in- inclusive where our allies can feel a part of this and that they can help us to bring us along. And so, you know, you, you know, part of your question is why is that important is because no one can do anything in silo and we all need each other um, to make, you know, the company what we want it to be. And if there's something as simple as a name that will help to have others feel more inclusive or included, then that it's, it was a no-brainer to do. I mean, when I talked about earlier about our associate promise, it, it derives from our definition of inclusion, um, which is creating an environment in which people feel involved, respected, value, connected to which individuals bring their authentic selves. And so we wanted our allies to also feel that in any of our ARGs. If they had an, an idea that could help us along the way, we wanted them to feel respected and valued enough to be able to offer that idea or perspective. That makes sense. So really the employee resource groups need to be very much aligned with the overall um, vision, mission, strategy of the organization, as well as values um, and the diversity and inclusion values. Let me ask you this, another question about how your group initially got started. was it led by HR or the diversity and inclusion infrastructure at the organization, or was it truly birthed out of employees? How organic was it versus how much from like top down was it driven? It really was organic. So the way like our original DNI journey was, we had an executive leadership team um, that the and we we had it was called Bear Diversity Council reported into this executive leadership team, and so this executive leadership team um, at that time was focused on making sure DNI was something that Bear as an organization was important to us, and so then we had BDC, um, which was Bear Diversity Council, which was made up of you know a, a broad spectrum of individuals from businesses to corporate our corporate resource groups, and it was fairly diverse. Um, And so what they saw happening was, you know, we'd have a women's event on a biannual basis. We'd have, 
you know, pockets of African-American leaders to start to um, bubble up in the organization and bring forth ideas, you know, different people. We already was already involved in like community involvement, but how do we really centralize that and make it more impactful for the organization? And so then it was like, well, there are people who are like already sort of leading these efforts. Let's ask them if they would, you know, be involved in leading an associate resource group. And literally it was, that was the structure. It was the associate resource group co-chairs reported up to BDC, which reported up to our executive leader. So it wasn't an HR function and it still is not to this day an HR function. It's very much, you know, grassroots led by leaders of, um, in our company, um, individual leaders, or even if they're business leaders, um, but in their individual roles, and it doesn't report up to HR. Right now, it's a sort of a new structure. It's the IND core team. So we have an IND core team, and their focus really is like recruitment, retention, and engagement, and creating like metrics for how we measure those things. And then the ARGs roll up into the IND core team. Um, and then the IND core team has, you know, executive um, leadership and executive sponsorship. Okay. Um, there it is, so it is incorporated within some structure in the organization with leadership involvement. And I think that that's what helps to ensure the alignment with the business goals also. Absolutely. And I think each ARG has a executive sponsor. So an executive sponsor is someone who's on our executive leadership team, who's a, you know, assigns volunteers to, you know, be an advisor to the leaders of the ARG and also to be able to um, cascade information down from the executive level because we're, we're not always in those rooms. Right. And to make sure that that alignment is happening, but also to be a resource in the event, you know, maybe you feel like you're, encountering a roadblock or you can't get um, an initiative off the ground or moving forward. You use your executive sponsor to help be able to do that, whether there's something going on here that you don't necessarily know about because it's, you know, at the executive level that's causing that to be able to educate and inform around that or, you know, to truly help move the ball if it's not something that's, you know, organizationally wide, um, a mandate that's in, that's impeding it. So uh, ARGs are both bottom up and top down. And that's why I think at Baird they are and have been successful. So let me ask you this question, because from my experience, when um, an organization first launches an employee resource group, there's excitement and buzz and people want to get involved. But maintaining that level mm. of engagement, that level, I mean, it's hard because this is a volunteer position on top of someone else's day job um, in terms of the leadership. And you want mm -hmm. strong, good leadership, you know, you know what I mean? You want to attract those um, employees who, um, one, can really benefit and learn and develop new skills that you want to retain in the organization. So you don't want to burn them out. Yes. Um, since you held this role for six years, which I feel like is four years longer than the norm. Eternity. Yeah. What is your advice for employees who want to get involved in a leadership position and maybe for companies in terms of how they think about 
those roles in the employee resource group. So you continue to attract great talent in, in those roles, but you don't burn them out either. What, what advice do you have? Yeah, I think it's very hard. So for one, I think you do have to have a structure in place where there is a term, right? So because we had initially started, there really wasn't, you know, terms in place. And then it's, you know, keeping associates engaged enough so they want to be involved. So one, be clear about what the term is, whether it's one year, two years, three years, whatever that is. I think on average, it's mostly a two-year term. Um, be sure to have, I think it's good to have more than one chair or vice pre president, whatever you deem to call that leadership position, so that they can share in those leadership responsibilities. I know it was very helpful for us because we always had two there was a two-year period where we only had one, which was myself, because my um, co-chair unfortunately passed away. And that's not something you can plan, plan for. And so I was in that role by myself. However, allow those ARGs to also create a structure within for whatever those goals are to help support that. So for example, um, we had our two co-chairs and one for a period. But then our pillars, we had professional development, we had community involvement, um, and we had um, communications. So each of those three areas also had a leader. Um, and this does two things. Um, it allows um, for those leaders to have support, but it also allows individuals to be able to develop skills in a way that they might not be able to do in a day job. So when you're talking about you know, advice to leaders and things that they look for, Look for some of your um, up, and up and coming talents, some of your high performing leaders who might be in an individual contributor role um, where they don't really, they're not able to advance like vertically. Um, allow them to develop skills horizontally and leadership skills within an ARG. One, you expose them you know, to executive leadership and to other people within the firm that they might not have exposure. So they are able to be able to develop relationships, which is important in any business. I don't care if it's manufacturing. I don't care if it's products or services. It's always good to build cross-functional relationships in an organization, at least I believe so. Um, and then allow, lastly, I would say, give them some latitude um, to create that space for whatever that um, resource group is. Because all resource groups are not, associate resource groups are not created equal, right? What we needed as a multicultural associate resource group and what some of our members needed was different than what Ascend needed and what some of their um, members needed. So recognize those nuances and those differences and allow them to or grant organically grow and develop. Um, and so that, you know, that would be my advice. Create terms, make sure there's terms allow for a structure where there's leadership opportunity um, for many different people while they might not have it in their current roles. Um, and then um, allow them to organically develop into what it means for that particular company. Yes, they need to tie to business goals and you should be very intentional about that because as I previously stated, I think associate resource groups are tied to business goals and execution versus affinity groups or clubs like, may be more social in nature. Not to say that we don't have social functions. That's very much a part of the relation building process and getting to know each other. So you have to allow for that. 
But at the end of the day, we're held accountable and should be held accountable for, you know, how are you advancing the goals of the organization within these associate resource groups? I love it. Really great tangible advice. Um, Devona, thank you so much for sharing some of your experience and, and learnings. Um, very helpful. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast with our podcast partner, The Brimful Life with Beth Ridley. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.